bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This is a show by the fans, for the fans, where we will use fun wildcard awards to discuss the latest news, quickly analyze the first week of NRL finals and the chaos they brought, as well as giving bold predictions and analysis of the week's upcoming games. We've had a bunch of new listeners recently, and if you are one this episode, g'day. It's great to have you on board. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get Rugby League Chat without the media agendas, just our petty individual agendas. We have most of the panel tonight. No Miles Stedman. I believe he's somewhere around the world. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but I do have a few of us here. Daniel Friend, how are you going this week, mate? I'm well, thanks, Bo. I'm tipping Miles is yeah somewhere around the world because it'd be a bit odd if he wasn't. Um, but yeah, ready to go, mate. And what a great week of footy that was. Oh, wasn't it something? Uh, Kieran Gibson, you're also here, mate. You didn't join us last week, uh, but I believe you did listen in and you got uh, all the ball predictions right in your absence. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely did. And uh, enjoyed listening back to the pod. Uh, to the boys' predictions and uh, enjoyed, obviously, my Cowboys getting the win uh, through to a first home prelim. So, yeah, how good. Yeah, we've only been in the comp for, uh, what is it, 27 years and uh, first home prelim, very exciting as a Cowboys fan. Uh, Friendy didn't get his bowl prediction. I didn't either. Chris Waring, you came perilously close because you said that uh first of all you did say the Raiders would beat the Storm you sort of went out on a limb on that one and you were correct there uh Joe Tarpanay and Josh Papali'i both ran for 150 meters but Jack Whiten did not score so you came so close my friend yeah it went off too early not for the first time in my life but you know, <laughs> it as, as we said before, it's the meatloaf award for two out of three ain't bad. Uh, but however, it is not a bold prediction. So good luck with this week's bold. Guys, let's talk about wildcard awards. We always like to start off with those. It's a fun way to talk about the recent news. Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? My wildcard award this week, Bo, is the Never Doubt a Champion Award. And it goes to Jason Taumalolo, who was... Absolutely phenomenal, as we like to say here on Above the Horizontal. He, yeah, throwing cutout passes, scored a try, ran for 270 metres, made 40-odd tackles, and he just led the way for his Cowboys to storm into a home semi-final at, um, up at Townsville. And, yeah, there's been talk about his form not being as good as what it once was, but tell you what, the other night, that was vintage Taumalolo. He did win the Paul Bowman medal for player of the season for the Cowboys this year, and it's Efforts like on Saturday night that prove why he deserved it. Uh, this is probably a good time to throw to Kieran for his wild card award because I assume it is something Cowboys related, knowing you, Kieran. Uh, but before before we talk about it, was uh, was the thirty meter left to right pass to Petaheku, Kieran? Was that the most erotic thing you've seen on a football field? <laughs> I think it was the best. I mean, uh, I'm biased and I, I recency bias as well plays a part, but it's got to be the best pass i've seen by a forward i mean ever uh, i've been watching i've said numerous times since 2005 but that was brilliant um right up there uh this week i've got the the wade graham award for what a million dollar costs or rather gets you and it goes to tamalolo and holmes both men are are on this my wild knocks on a lot of what friendy just said so i won't repeat it all but both men are on close to or on one million dollar contracts that have both previously come under the microscope but both men proved their worth in spades with tamalolo throwing that 30 meter pass that we just spoke about which meant hiku had the time and space to jink his way through the line for the cowboys third try and then the other huge moment uh, i just wanted to touch on was that rattling tackle on finucan close to the line um it was in the 71st minute and the Sharks were up 30-22, and I honestly thought we were gone. We were really on the ropes, and if they'd scored there, it would have been game over. So huge, huge moment in the uh, in the game. Um, and then, yeah, Holmes stepped up with that field goal uh, at the end from 45 metres that, I mean, when you see it back, it, it never looked like missing, and, and that's the, the type of player Holmes is. He's got that confidence where um, it kind of looks like he wasn't sure if it was going to go over at first, but uh, yeah, he's kind of got the confidence where he hits it and he just knows he's got all the confidence in the world in himself that he can, has the ability to do it. Um, so yeah, those were just a few really, really crucial moments in the game and they came from our uh, 
the guys that are on the highest pay packets at our club and uh, they really proved their worth. The thing that most impressed me about that field goal was obviously like the technical brilliance of it, 45 metres. It did have a strong win with him, of course, but the fact that he uh, he took the kick at all, you know, if he misses and it goes mm. dead, it's a seven-tackle set, and Nico Hines has a great shot at the other end if the if the Sharks hold the ball. So it's a it's an all-or-nothing play, essentially, and uh, in the key moments, that's when you want your million-dollar player to step up. Uh, Chris Waring, what is your wildcard award this week? Mine is the Resident Fossil Award, and it's going to friend of the show, Phil Rothfield, who had, uh, and I'm interested to see, or rather hear your guys' thoughts on this, and I guess it will lead into the breakdown of the game, but his quote was, if you guys want to watch rugby league like that, go and watch UFC. It was rubbish that game, and he's referring to South Sydney and the Roosters. Mm. Um, something that I, and again, rugby league is a you know crazy sport, and not all rugby league games look the same, but I thought from an entertainment perspective, which is, you know, the major focus as we know in these final series, obviously referring to Peter Valenti's comments about suspensions and what the fans want, I think that was, you know, not the not the most technically beautiful game of rugby league, but it was chaotic and it was interesting and it was exciting. And I think that's good for semifinals football. It's interesting. I, I picked the brains of the of the panel here on this one just very quickly um, because I kind of fall on the side of it being interesting because seven sin bins. What the fuck is that? But I didn't love it because it was a bit too chaotic for me. But I could be on the outer here, Friendy, What's your take? Yeah, I tend to agree with you there, Bo. It was pissing me off, all the people off the field and, and all that sort of stuff. But I tell you what, it was drama-filled and my eyes were certainly glued to the TV. So, yeah, I, I guess that's what, um, as Chris mentioned, it's the entertainment business. And, yeah, there was certainly some entertainment there. Got people talking. Kieran, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's. Um, I think the HIAs were my favourite part of the game, um, to be honest. But in all seriousness, I don't know if we <laughs> cut that out because that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> Uh, taking the piss, obviously. Um, I, after about three or four sin bins, I thought, oh, this could really be interesting, as you boys said, tactically, to see how the teams handle uh, the extra fatigue. But yeah, then after the fifth one, I was a bit pissed off and just wanted some rugby league to be played. It was an interesting little dynamic, wasn't it? Like watching uh, teams scrambling when they had 11 players and, and 12 players and, and trying to find that overlap. And uh, it, Credit to the Rabbitohs for being able to score points with 11 players on the field. That's pretty incredible. Um, so, Chris, it sounds like it's a little bit divided there, um, but we're not quite Buzz Rothfield level fossils, are we? Nah, I, w- I wouldn't put that you know, insult among any of you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and speaking of insults, my wildcard award, uh, I don't really have a name for it, but uh, it's kind of dealing in a similar kind of space, uh, except it's about... You know, the Queen's passing, obviously, uh, between our last episode and now, Queen Elizabeth II has passed away. Some people feel very strongly about that, uh, positively or negatively. Um, and Caitlin Moran, who is a, a, an NRLW player from the Knights, uh, she's like a, a bench halfback at the moment. She, uh, she posted something on her Instagram story, I believe, that was a bit offensive about, you know, basically celebrating the death of, of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, it's worth mentioning that Caitlin Moran is an Indigenous woman. Now, I don't want to get into any sort of race politics or anything like that here, but what I wanted to bring up was the fact that uh, we had a lot of fossil commentators, to get to your point, Chris, like Ray Hadley calling it the most reprehensible thing ever attached to rugby league. And I just feel like it's, it's kind of like punching down on an Indigenous lady to say that, to go to that level, um, when you consider some of the stuff that's happened, including, you know, uh, an ex-Rugby League player allegedly murdered somebody um, this year or has been accused of that. We've had, like, you know, child pornography offences. We've had, like, domestic violence abuses and just heaps and heaps of stuff in this game that is plenty reprehensible. I don't think we need people like Ray Hadley in the game talking about people like Caitlin Moran at that level. I think Caitlin could have chosen her words a bit better personally, but it's not really my position to be able to tell her what to say about how she feels about colonialism. Um, And, you know, let's not get too deep into that. But I just think it's worth mentioning that while it's controversial what she said, I don't think it's the end of the world. And I don't think people like Hadley should be making it the end of the world. 
Above the horizontal. Guys, let's talk about the uh, the finals. Week one, of course. We've spoken a little bit about some of the games, but let's just throw some 30-second thoughts or feelings about each game into the mix. We'll start off with the Panthers, who defeated the Eels by 19 points. I'm reliably informed that is the largest winning margin the Panthers have ever had in a finals game in their history, and they've been playing since 1967. So that's a very impressive performance from them. Friendy, how do you feel about that game? I'm going to do this differently, Bo. I'm going to say one word for each thing. So the Panthers for me... And the, the Panthers-Eels game, I'm going to go with Strangle. Because they just re- would not relent, would they? Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? Like, they, they're they amazing. They, they just get you by the throat and they just do not let you go and, and until you tap out. And, and unfortunately, the Eels tapped out. Penrith are just, yeah, oh, I've never seen anything like it. And after watching years of Melbourne Storm led by Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk, I never thought I'd see another team that I think is better at it. Chris, how do you feel about the... Panthers Eels game, anything you noticed? No, just um, fair per what they was on last week. I just thought that Penrith would win uh, relatively easily. I, I didn't expect that kind of margin, but I think that is just that game was just um, demonstrative of I think the the game control skill in between you know really good teams and really strong teams like Parramatta and then the top of the you know the top of the lot in Penrith, which I think why the heavy premiership favourites. Kieran, it puts the Eels on the other side of the draw now where they can still get to the grand final. Um, is this a case of the Panthers being so, so good or or have the wheels fallen off of the Eels a little bit, do you think? Uh, look, I, I wouldn't say that the wheels have fallen off. Obviously, Mitch Moses went off. Um, but to speak to what Friendy said, I, I don't think it really matters uh, whether Moses stayed on or not. I think this the... Panthers' ability to stay in the grind and have every player stick to their role would have seen them come up trumps anyway. Maybe not by the same scoreline, but possibly also still. Um, but yeah, Mitch Moses coming back in for the Eels will be huge this week, so I'm not ready to rule them out just yet. They have a very key game against the Raiders uh, this weekend, which of course is elimination semi-final from Combank Stadium on Friday night. Let's talk about the Raiders and the Storm. They beat the they beat the Storm in Melbourne, 28 to 20. A bit of a a late flurry of points that got them over the, the line there. And it was one thing I really loved about last week's episode and recording it and speaking through it with uh, with Friendy and, and Chris was hearing Chris's brain tick over as he was talking, being like, oh man, like it actually sounds like the Raiders should win this. I'm going to tip them. And that worked out really well for you, Chris. Uh, any thoughts about how that all went down? Yeah, I, I kind of, you are right. I, I went into last week's podcast initially thinking Melbourne and then, as we were analysing it, I just felt myself not agreeing with that anymore. And I think it really was the forward pack that really did the damage. Um, Storm's defensive deficiencies were exposed a little bit as they had been from about halfway through the season to now. And, yeah, just Papali'i, Tarpani, Hudson Young, um, Whitehead, Elliot, just, I think, just really dominated that middle. And I think that um, – and Jamal Fogarty, unironically, had a – uh, quite a good game as well with Jack White and so um, yeah I just yeah I was um, the forward pack and the halves just had it over them Friendy what's your what's your word to describe this match? Uh, energetic I thought the Raiders held their energy throughout the whole game so across the 80 minutes Melbourne Storm had spurts of it um, and it looked like they were coming to get them with at about the 60th minute. Uh, I think it sort of everything swung Melbourne's way, but the Raiders just went up again in energy, and yeah, they did really well to get away with the win. Absolutely. Well, I've got you there, Friendy. Uh, you know, we, we we keep talking about how the Storm are coming to the end of a dynasty and things like that. Do we do we think, given the amount of flux that's going to be in this forward pack and the way that, that that the forward pack they already have was convincingly beaten. Do you think the Storm are in for a tough season maybe next year or are, are you expecting some bounce back? I'm really unsure. It's probably the first time I've been unsure and it might even be the coach's last year from what he's saying. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to sit on the fence on this one and we'll wait and see sort of maybe in the, the season preview next year. I'll make a bit of a call on that. All right, I'll let you get some ointment for those splinters. Uh, while I think <laughs> to Kieran, Kieran, what are your thoughts on, on that game? It was a bit of a surprise that the Raiders prevailed, or had you sort of thought that was possible? 
Um, I did think it was possible, and obviously the Raiders have that record down at Amy Park. I thought it was quite a similar game to, at least early on, to the Storm Raiders game that was played at Amy Park earlier this season, where I thought the Raiders really had uh, some really brave defense early on their line, um, where the Storm were dominating possession and field position, um, and were camped down in the in the 20-meter zone for at least the first 10, 15 minutes. But the as Friendy said, and I've written this in my notes as well, I think... The Raiders, when they get the ball, their energy just lifts and their attack is just so free-flowing uh, free and fun to watch. Um, you can see as soon as they get the ball, despite having to defend so much early on, they just become energized even more and their ability to play what's in front of them with their unstructured footy wreaks havoc, uh, and I thought it did once more. The 30-second thought that I have on this one, I guess, is that uh, I love that we've spoken about the Eels now, the Raiders, and the, and the Cowboys. We will in just a moment. One of those teams is going to play in the grand final, most likely against the Panthers. And each one has a great story. You know, like the Eels, the, the first chance at a premiership since 86, uh, first grand final since 09. The Cowboys, like, what a turnaround from second last last year. And the Raiders, only the fourth team in the NRL era to progress past the first week from eighth. And two of those teams previously made the grand final, the Eels and the Cowboys, Eels in 09 and Cowboys in 17. So... The Raiders, like, they, they looked pretty good. I think they can beat the Eels, possibly. We'll talk about that in a moment. And I think they, they could beat the Cowboys in the prelim. They, they might well be in the grand final in a few weeks' time. So exciting times, and it's some exciting football from the Raiders, I think. Let's talk about that huge, that 93-minute game, the Sharks and Cowboys from Points Bet Stadium. Now, obviously, Kieran, you're very excited about that, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. I thought the first half was very, and it went in at halftime, uh, a deadlock. I thought it was very evenly matched. I thought both sides had a similar tactic of trying to slow down the ruck. I thought the Sharks were probably not, and this isn't a salty jive, but I thought they were probably a little bit better at doing it and limiting our meters. I thought they did it really well. They played it brilliantly. They didn't overdo it where they were um, losing their discipline. Uh, but then, yeah, I thought it was a game of moments more than, um, well, in the end, and I guess that's finals footy, and I've touched on plenty of those already. Um, and obviously the Holmes field goal settled it in the end. Freddie, what's your word to describe this match? Tough. I think any team that wins in 93 minutes has to be tough. And and the Cowboys, I thought, the Sharks were tough as well. But, yeah, the Cowboys just got it at the end. And, yeah, I think some of their guys in the middle, I spoke about Tal Malolo, but Ruben Cotter as well, he was fantastic. And um, Peter Hiku, he was outstanding also. He was ran for over 300 metres and, yeah, just really tough. Chris, how did you see this match? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian angle. I thought it was a bit... I was really disappointed by both teams in terms of um, the Sharks especially had just some epic brain fades in the game that really cost them. Um, you think about that that try through the middle. I can't remember who it was, but... Did. Uh, yeah, did. And then um, Nicora, I think, was running backwards and then Kennedy just had an absolute air swing running into, I think it was Finucane. And... Yeah, and then they, these were meant to be two defensive powerhouses and it's just a really high-scoring game. And I guess, you know, finals can do that. But, yeah, I think um, I think Cowboys will be much benefited from the week off mm-hmm. try to fine-tune some things with that. But, yeah, I think the Sharks having to play, um, like we've said, the 90-minute game and then back up immediately afterwards, I think it's going to be tough for them. From my point of view, obviously, I'm ecstatic the Cowboys won, so I'll be buying tickets to Sydney uh, just in case. You know, I don't want to get too excited, but I'd love to come down and see you boys anyway, so that's that's all part of the, the, the carrot to lure me down there. But uh, to speak to the, uh, the the negatives that you talk about, Chris, I, I agree. I think I think defense was probably a bit uh, loose from both teams, particularly at key moments, uh, but I will say defense is also excellent at key moments. It just depends on what part. 30 points each is kind of a bit... Shocking, though. Um, I also thought the line speed of the Cowboys, particularly, was really, really strong. Ruben Cotter, Reese Robson, incredible in that area. And how good was Nico Hines? Like, he is just... He is... He's in the top three halfbacks at the moment. Um, you know, week in, week out, performing, which is just something that just shocks me all the time. And if he played at 5'8", he'd be probably in the top three of those. And if he played fullback, he'd probably be in the top five of those. You know, he's just... 
such a such a good player. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's curtains for the Sharks yet, but they will have to get through the Rabbitohs and then the Panthers in the preliminary final. So that's going to be tough for them, obviously winning this game a huge advantage. And the last game, we've already talked about it a little bit, was the seven Sinbin Roosters Rabbitohs, which the Roosters, sorry, the Rabbitohs won 30 to 14. And yeah, it was, it was something. Friendy, what word do you got for it? Shamozzle. <laughs> is is there anything else to call it? I mean, what was doing there? Whether it was the players, the refs, the bunker, don't start me on the bunker. Um, but yeah, that was just an absolute shamozzle. Chaotic footy. Um, oh, it was all happening, as Bill Laurie would say. We're going to have to start calling you Gus if you keep talking about the bunker like that. Or maybe Joey. Joey's a bit the same, isn't he? Yeah, well, I do listen to Channel 9 and I certainly love those two blokes. So yeah, I'm with them. Blow up the bunker. <laughs> Uh, Chris, what do you make of this game? You already, you already sort of described it, but um, obviously you, you loved it. But in terms of tactics or in terms of performances particularly, how do you feel the Roosters and Rabbitohs went? Yeah, I'm not sure um, either team would have stuck to the training or playbook throughout the week. I'd be very surprised if that was the actual game plan. But it's, it's one of those games where it's super hard to know what to take out of it just because it was so off-script, so chaotic. Um, you know, lots of injuries and suspensions for both sides. Um, so it might be one of those games where they just, you know, essentially fought to death to get through it, but that may be the, you know, the, the end of them. Yeah, I, I find it really hard what to take away from that game just because of um, the pure chaotic nature of it. Kieran, what do you think? Yeah, I'm a little similar to Chris and in, in I can't, um, take too much from the game, but what I did take is that I was really impressed by the Rabbitohs scramble. Um, as you said, Bo, with the uh, Rabbitohs down to 11 men, I think on um, two occasions, I thought that they defended defended brilliantly. And uh, there was one stage where uh, I think they just went down to 11 men in the first half. The Roosters had the ball, they forced an error, and then went down the other end and scored a try. Um, so I thought, yeah, moments like that are, are what won them the game two thoughts I had coming out of it was how important is James Tedesco? Cause he was huge before he went off. And, uh, and the other thing was, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Chris, on the fact that, you know, they, they put everything they had into it, the Rabbitohs to win that game. Had they already played their grand final? I guess we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, but I, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they were able to get that sort of level of intensity again, a week later, less than a week, actually, on Saturday night against the Sharks. But, you know, time will tell. I, I, I shouldn't underestimate them. I did last week. Guys, let's take a small little break. We're going to hear from the Big E. He recorded his little bit with me earlier. It's the Big E's phenomenal tip of the week. Back soon. This is the Big E, the phenomenal tip of the week for today. I go for Oasis and Panamata Eels. I can Come, come bank stadium. I, I think I am fully competent. I think the Raiders will pick up the speed and win. And I kind of agree with you, Fendi. I think uh, we are doing the uh, the Raiders clap. Here we come, baby. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. Thanks to the Big E for his phenomenal tip of the week where it seems like he's big on the Raiders. Let's talk about that game. It's the Eels versus the Raiders, 4th versus 8th. Of course, the Eels lost last week, so they still get the home game. It's at Combank on Friday night. The only change to either side that I can think of is Adam Elliott is out with an injury. Uh, Corey Hadadira at Nida is coming in at lock, and Ryan Sutton is returning from injury on the bench. I apologize to Corey if I completely screwed up your name there. I tried my best. Let's talk about some tactics. We talked about this last week about both teams and uh, we basically got things more or less right, I think. Like the Eels were definitely going to try and control the middle against the Panthers. They gave it a red hot crack. The Raiders were definitely going to try and do the middle against the Storm and were successful. Some of their best players, I think, were, you know, Tapade and Papali'i. Let's talk about the Eels. Now, they have had a, a hot and cold season. I thought for the most part they were pretty impressive against the Panthers. They were just playing against the Panthers. What, what are you going to do? So, Friendy, what can the Eels do to beat the Raiders? Well, I think, yeah, you were spot on there, Bo, by saying both teams are going to try and go down the middle of the field, which I certainly agree with. And the, the difference is, though, the Eels look to 
punch the ball up the middle and, and get a quick play the ball to basically set up for their big backline moves. The halves generally catch it off a really wide pass from Reed Marnie and they, they go from there bringing on their back rowers onto the ball and stuff like that. Whereas the Raiders, they look to, to penetrate the middle and offload. They, they don't look to find their front. They look to stand in the tackle, Tarpane Papali, pop the ball, and then you get guys. You saw Jack Whiten made a run down the middle of the field the other day. Whether it's him or if they shift off that offload to get it to Timiko or Sebastian Chris, mm-hmm. um, because they're more the hard runners out wide rather than the second rowers who are, are almost ball players, Elliot Whitehead and, and Hudson Young. So it really contrasting styles of trying to do the same thing through the middle of the field. So I feel like that's a big touching point for the game. And yeah, I think the Eels, yeah, they're going to have to win the middle of the field um, to, to win this game. And it, uh, it'll it come up in my key players later, um, but I'm not too sure it's the guys starting the game. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, Chris, what do you make of the Eels? If you're, if you're Brad Arthur, you know, perennially missing the prelims, this is your big chance. You're on the soft side of the draw now against the Raiders and the Cowboys. How are you getting to that elusive prelim? Yeah, well, obviously we saw last week it's largely contingent on Mitchell Moses being on the field. Um, similar to Fernando Tudov, uh Paolo, Kemba Gillard, and like you mentioned as well, Bo, it's not that Parramatta were bad last week. They just came against a extremely good Penrith side, and I think the score um, was not as indicative of, let's say, what the, the contrast between the two teams were while they were full strength. So I think Parramatta, they're going to have to um, go through the middle, try to control the first... Um, the starters in Tarpane and Papali, I think that's going to be crucial. With respect to um, Emre Gula, Corey Horsburgh, they are good players, but they're not the the quality of uh, those who mentioned there. And then I think outside of that, it's just going to be an execution game, you know, catching, ensuring. Uh, I think a lot of eyes would be on uh, Walker Blake after last week, um, ensuring that the, the back three starts set well. I think Clint Gutherson needs to get more involved than he was last week. I thought he was uh, relatively a bit hidden. But yeah, no, a few, uh, few key things. I think Pramit needed to execute to get the victory. One thing I also noticed, Kieran, uh, was that I thought Sean Lane's in, we've talked about him before, he's had a really great season. Dylan Brown's had a really great season, but they both were a bit quiet against the, uh, the Panthers. If you're... Brad Arthur, you need those guys firing. How how can you make that happen? Is, is it as simple as getting those uh, quick play the balls and, and, and giving them a bit of time and space? Or is, or is there something else that can be done, do you think? Uh, I think a bit of pressure needs to be taken off them by their outside men outside there. I think opposition Sivo haven't been as involved as they have been in recent weeks. I was at the Broncos-Eels game and I thought Wanga Blake... Um, I mean, they're both wingers. They're not hugely crucial to the result in the end, but I thought Blake completely outplayed Sivo, who was went missing a little bit, scored a try early on, and then didn't really do much. I think uh, so. Opatich and Sivo helping out that left edge a bit more. I know that they play on the outer of that edge, but they're both aerial threats. Uh, and defensively, the Raiders concede the most tries on their right edge, and Opatich and Sivo are obviously on the left. So I think that's a little key to winning some early battles and something to exploit for the Eels, and then. Yeah, touching on that man that Chris brought up, Moses, it'll be pivotal if he plays because, um, as Friend said, the, the way the Eels play is they play on the front foot, want to get a play the ball, and then uh, use that quick play the ball to um, attack both sides of the ruck. And if Moses is playing, um, that really helps their right side attack where they'll be able to attack on both sides. Um, a little concerned if if Moses doesn't play, you'd, you'd have to think that a lot of their attack will be down that left-hand side and a lot of pressure will be on those two men you just mentioned in Brown and Lane. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Now, the the Raiders, of course, as we talked about, beat the Storm. They were very impressive in the middle. Uh, Jack Whiten had a big game as well. And uh, Chris reluctantly mess, uh, mentioned that Jamal Fogarty, also very, very complete game from him. Now, one thing I noticed about the Eels last week, as we all would have noticed, poor old Wunger Blake, he had a shocker with his hands against those Nathan Cleary bombs. Now, I feel like that will be a bit of a strategy for the Raiders, uh, won't it, Chris, to sort of go towards Wunger Blake in the air, but do the Raiders have the, the artillery that you know Nathan Cleary offers in that sense? Yeah, well, it's very hard to match the 
kicking game and skill of Nathan Cleary. I mean, it's pretty much impossible to uh, mimic consistently. Yeah, but I think Canberra need to be wary of, um, you know, letting that be too much of the focus in terms of we're just going to bomb the Walker, uh, Walker Blake and then we'll be fine. I think that tends to be a ill-thought strategy for a lot of teams in terms of exposing a weakness and then just dedicating, you know, most of your game plan to it. So I think your Raiders need to go in there with, you know, a similar strategy of what they did last week, essentially. You know, they, they have an extremely good forward pack. Utilising that, Jamal Fogart is very efficient in directing, very, you know, um, solid halfback. And then Jack White and more your X-Factor, you know, big six. Um, pretty underrated kicking game. Um, yeah, so I think they just need to be wary of going in too singular-minded. It'll be interesting to see Kieran, because obviously the Raiders, probably pound for pound, have maybe one of the best packs in the comp at the moment, particularly on form. Of course, they haven't got Adam Elliott this week, which I think is actually a bigger loss than people are probably realizing. But what the Raiders do have is an inexperienced nine, Zach Wolford, uh, Tom Starling on the bench, not much more experienced, and Xavier Savage at the back, now up against an Eels side that might have the likes of Moses Marnie, Brown and Gutherson. That could be a tricky thing for the Raiders. So, Kieran, how how would Ricky Stewart be getting the best out of his team? Uh, well, to touch on your first point, I, I agree about Savage. Um, I think he's obviously got a lot of X Factor, as do most of the Raiders team, but I think he can be a little lackadaisical at times. Um, I'm pretty sure it was this this weekend, if it wasn't in the game against the Storm, it was the weekend before, but there was a moment where he let the ball run in, in the in goal a little bit too long. Um, oh, I think I'm confusing him for Munster. Uh, the weekend just gone, but um, Savage has done the same where he just let the ball run too far and someone snuck in and scored a try. So, yeah, and I, I don't know if he's the best talker on the field. Obviously, he's quite inexperienced, as you said, so that'll be something that Ricky kind of needs to get into Savage during the week that he needs to um, talk a bit more. But I think the obvious thing, and we've already spoken about it, is this, how huge second phase play will be for the Raiders. Um, the way for the Eels to mitigate that is I, I don't really know. I mean, when you've got a player like Inglis, how Berrigan was given an assignment to shut him down in the grand final, that works. But then when you've got pretty much every single player on the Raiders team that can um, offload the ball, and is confident enough to do so and, and pull it off. Um, just re- telling your players to wrap them up or try and chop them down quickly enough, um, it's not always going to work. So uh, the Eels are going to have to scramble well, and, and the Raiders are obviously going to try to exploit them with that. Um, I think fatigue will play a big part later on in the game, and, and that's probably... Well, I, I won't jump the gun just yet on my prediction, but um, yeah, I think fatigue will play a big part. Did you just randomly pull out a 2006 grand final reference with Berrigan and Inglis? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> wow, that's outstanding. <laughs> that is above the horizontal. Uh, Friendy, you're Ricky Stewart. How are you winning this game, mate? Well, like we've spoken about, they've got to win the middle. The Raiders um, think their bench is highly important, the way they use that. And I think Ricky has used that quite well the last probably six weeks. So I think they've worked out a bit of a rotation there. So I'll talk about that when we get to our key key matchups and, and key players. But yeah, for mine... Um, the Raiders just keep need, need to keep turning up and, and playing with energy. They've got nothing to lose, do they? They finished eighth. They're now in, I guess, the top six, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they've just got to keep going the way they're going, I think. I think the way what we were speaking about before when Kieran touched on uh, the Eels, how they can mitigate the Raiders' offloads and things like that, the way the Eels can do that is by Mitchell Moses' kicking game and constantly turning them around and playing footy down in their end because if they're offloading from 10, 20 metres out, it's not as much um, risk... Oh, sorry, it's way more risk for the Raiders doing that than if it's on the 40 or 50 metre line. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Would you be kicking early then in that case and, and trying to Absolutely. get over yep, the top especially of the yeah, especially with inexperience of Savage that you guys spoke about as well. I think that's really important. Gutherson is probably um, the most... I've heard Harves talk about Gutherson as well, just always being in the right spot. So apparently he studies so much tape um, of the kickers and the halves, and he just knows where the ball's going to be. Whereas I don't think Savage does that. I think, like Kieran said, he's a bit of a a cool dude, um, and I think he sort of relies on natural ability a lot more. So he could be out of position a lot. I think Moses will kick to those corners pretty early and and pretty deep. Interesting. 
while I've got you there, Friendy, uh, can you give me those key players? And, and if you wouldn't mind, you may as well give your, give your game tip as well. Yeah, cool. I, for me, um, I think Ricky Stewart, I noticed on the weekend, Joe Tarpanay, he played, well, he and Papa Lee started and obviously had a really good impact at the start. Papa Lee went off about 20 minutes in. Tarpanay played about 49 minutes straight. Um, so, and then when he went off, Papa Lee came on. So he generally tries to keep one of them, if not both, on the field at all times. So I think it's really important that the Parramatta Eels bench can match it with those guys whilst they're on the field because there's no doubt in my mind Tarpanay and Papali'i determine the um, result of this game. Um, and I think the bench through the Eels, when they come on, they need to limit the impact of those guys when they're on there. So I, th- I think um, Junior Polo and Regan Campbell-Gillard can do that at the start, but they may go off um, for, for a good chunk of the game. So I think the Parramatta bench are my key players. Very interesting. Do you do you see the Parramatta Eels getting the win on the back of, 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 back of that bench? I do, yeah. I, I think playing at Bank West, or is it is it Combank now? Combank, or yeah, they call it, yeah. Combank, yeah, yeah, Combank. I think that's just a huge advantage for them. That crowd will be absolutely blue and gold to the rafters. So they'll be going ballistic, and I think, for me, the Eels have been better defensively all year than the Raiders, and I, I'm going to back Parramatta on the back of that. Interesting. Chris, who are your key players, and, and what's your tip? I'm going to go Mitchell Moses for Parramatta. Um, as we, again, I, I briefly referenced it before, but he's a great kicker, um, you know, barks at his players. I think he's just highly influential in Parramatta's success, if not just the key to. And then uh, for Canberra, if Canberra were to win, I'm going to go uh, Joe Tarpanay. Um, I think he, alongside uh, Papa Lee, but I guess you, you, I think it's fair to say Papa Lee is probably the, you know, the the second best prop at Canberra now. Um, just Tarpany leading that role in terms of dominating that, you know, first 30 or even 40 if he plays it, like Friendly alluded to. And with that, um, uh, it's, I'm finding it very hard to tip, but I am going to go Parramatta just. I think part of that is, uh, Friendly mentioned it, I think Parramatta have a better bench, minus Jacob Arthur, but, um, and again, <laughs> home home, home ground, um, speaking from a West Tigers fan who beat Parramatta at, at Combank, um, it is a very intense environment. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and Parramatta generally play well there, Um Unless Jackson Hayes is Jackson Hayes is playing, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Parramatta slightly. I want to tip Canberra, but I'm not gonna be that brave this week. So Parramatta by five, um, and Kieran yeah. <laughs> near, near Corey Field. <laughs> Just a yeah, like a farewell to the club almost. Uh, Kieran, who are your key players, and who is gonna win? Um, so my Eels key player is not much, as much of a leader as uh, Chris's in Mitchell Moses, but I've, I've gone Reid Reed Marnie, who needs to step up and be a leader in this game. Um, I think in finals footy, you've got moments where, where both teams have the momentum and you really need to execute. And uh, Eels are a front foot team and Marnie needs to exploit that when they're on the front foot. Um, he has the arsenal to compl- complement front foot style footy uh and i think if he has one of those games where he he kicks early early on in the game catches savage out at the back he can kick a 40 20 uh and then especially late on in the contest um when fatigue starts to set in if he can get out of marker and zip around looking for players to run off him gutherson's always there um as we said uh, against a, a raiders pack um that will be looking to do plenty of heavy lifting for their side um so yeah i mean they they could tire out by themselves just looking to get themselves uh, or keep them in themselves in the game uh i think marnie can can exploit fatigue late on and early on his kicking game is going to be huge uh and then the raiders yeah i've got those same two men that we've all touched on tapane and uh papali papali was unbelievable against the storm i've not seen him play that well for quite some time um i'd love to see him play like that for queensland again because um, that was just awesome and yeah I, I think for obvious reasons i've got those two again uh but let's uh, I, I just realized i didn't say who i thought would win i think that the eels sorry to jump in but I, I i thought or i think the eels will win um i think a huge reason is uh 
if a, uh, a spine member for the Raiders goes down, um, I don't back the Raiders' ability to cover that just as well as what the Eels might. Um, I think that that could be quite pivotal. Um, and then, yeah, for the other reasons that I said, I think Marnie will step up and have that game that I've been talking about and the inexperience of some members in the Raiders' spine. My key player is Jack Whiten, and I think the Raiders are going to win. Um, I, I'm, on, I'm on the train. I'm on the green train or whatever you want to call it. I, I think, I think uh, I'm a bit worried about the Eels. We've already talked about the fact that they did play well against the Panthers. It's the Panthers. You know, how much can you read into that? Not a lot. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I just like the way they're playing. I really do. I think they're a very confident team, and I think confidence is really important at this time of year. I've, I, I watched the Cowboys do this five years ago in 2017, and no one gave them a chance. And, hey, look. A week ago, I probably didn't think the Raiders could either, but I don't know. I'm I'm on board. I think Jack Whiten's the key player. I think Jack Whiten, Sebastian Chris, Hudson Young, they'll just keep going there all day. So Raiders win for me. Okay, the next game is on Saturday evening. It's slightly later. It's at 8 p.m. because it's at Allianz Stadium and Moore Park is going to be going bananas because in the afternoon, they have an AFL game, including the Sydney Swans. Kieran, you'll be able to tell me who that's between, the Swans and who? Uh, I actually forget now. I think it's against Colling- Collingwood. Yeah, Swans and Collingwood. Swans and Collingwood. So it'll be a packed out state, uh, what SCG, and then it'll be a packed out Allianz Stadium, give or take, with the Sharks and the Rabbitohs. Uh, Tom Burgess is out suspended. Uh, apparently the fans don't care about him being suspended. They care about Taylor May, though. Uh, Michael Cheekham will join the bench. So that's actually you know a huge reduction of size and impact. Uh, and this is a completely different makeup for the Rabbitohs bench. So it'd be curious to see if Demetrio stays with that. The Sharks are unchanged at this stage, although the reports have been going around that the whole bunch of them had like medical bibs on uh, during their training run today or yesterday. And it's like, yeah, I don't know how much to read into that. I think the Sharks will be okay. Uh, obviously, two brutal games in very different ways. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, the Sharks had probably ha- have a high level of, of fatigue from just the length of that game and, and the amount of running in that game. Like the top five players for total run meters, not counting with the ball, there's like total running. Uh, we're all from that game. Uh, three of them Cowboys, two of them Sharks. So, you know, huge amount of fatigue for the Sharks. But also, I mean, the Rabbitohs bumps and bruises from that brutal game against the Roosters and... Mental fatigue as well from, you know, those huge efforts you go to. I mean, uh, we've all played sports and stuff throughout time at juniors or whatever. And it's amazing how much more tired you feel after a big game or a grand final because you just have that emotional energy that you put into it. So both teams will be, you know, uh, a bit tired, I would imagine. Um, Let's talk about the Sharks first of all. They have to bounce back after their loss to the Cowboys. Friendy. How are they going to do it? Well, they need, yeah, to bring that energy as well as we've spoken about other teams, but the, their defence just has to be better, the Sharks. It's just plain and simple. Their defence, uh, through the middle, out wide, it was all over the shop last week, which was quite surprising. Um, it's been pretty good this year. Whether there or not that's been sort of masked by who they've played the last sort of, I don't know, five, six weeks, maybe that's sort of put a bit of a band-aid over some things that we we sort of weren't picking up but yeah it's all got to be defense for the sharks and then off the back of nico hines in attack i mean you spoke about him before but he's flying he's yeah outstanding nico so it's all going to come off him how do they fix that defense do you think friendy like is it is it just like a attention to detail thing are they are they a bit fatigued like what's what's gone wrong there I, i think it's born out of trying to do the right thing a lot of guys get up out of the line and and sort of trying to put a big shot on for their team or or trying to create an error from the other side and uh, one of those guys in particular jesse ramian i noticed heaps he just gets up past the ball a lot i think that's where the bunnies will look to attack through their their left hand side in um in latrell mitchell as the cowboys did through Drinkwater last week Mm. Uh, yeah i just think they've they've got to stop trying to solve things themselves and just work as a team which they seem to have done most of the year from what i've seen but last week they were all trying to have the big hero play in defense and it just left cracks everywhere one thing you don't want to be is disjointed or disconnected against mm. that Rabbitohs left edge uh walker mitchell 
and of course Alex Johnson reaping the rewards of all that. They they managed to like create overlaps on that side against a team that had more players on the field last week. It's uh, they're incredible at it. So you're dead right. I think Jesse Ramian will be a key player defensively, but a whole bunch of them. It might just be a a working together connection thing. Uh, Chris, yeah, is it is it as simple as fixing up the defense because that was ordinary last week? Yeah, I think that's going to be the key focus. Um, sticking to their regular season structures. Um, again, it's it's hard to imagine that they would defend that badly again. And, and like I lose, we are that essentially cost them the game. Um, some really poor, uncharacteristic errors. I think something else, just real quickly to note about Cronulla winning is not getting lured into the emotional contest with the Rabbitohs in terms of you know getting in the 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 gritty, grubby kind of nature, you know, um, which I think the Roosters fell victim to. Um, again, they're a very well structured team traditionally, and just trying not get encapsulated into that um, emotional fest. You know, if they cop a elbow or a you know a, a fist, if he gets picked up to the face, just sticking to their structures, not getting involved in it. I think that's going to be key. Kieran, Craig Fitzgibbon as a player was defense minded and super fit. Now. As the boys have talked about, that will be key to them winning this game against the Rabbitohs. Uh, do you think they're a team that probably could have used a few days rest, like just real easy training days, just you know, sharpen up a couple of drills, but nothing too intensive? Or would you be um, getting them on the paddock and and really, really putting them through their paces? Do you think? Uh, I heard Wade, Wade Graham on the news the other day say that they had a, a day off the day after the game and then on Monday they had a, a fairly uh, easy day. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're the, probably, um, if not the best, one of the best equipped teams to deal with a game like that and, and back up the next week. Uh, as we just all said, they're one of the fittest teams in the comp. Um, and that's something I, 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 I touch on for what, what um, will be a key for them to victory. I, I think um, Frenji said it a couple of weeks ago, um, they've got a bit of everything, a bit of they're good in attack, good in defense, great fitness levels, can play off the cuff. Um, but they're also, as Chris said, um, they stick to their structures and, and don't go too far outside of that where uh, things can really turn wrong drastically if, if they were to. Um, but they've got the discipline to not do that. Uh, I think this style of play means that they don't have to adapt their game plan too specifically each week to the team they're playing because their style of play is already so dangerous. Um and I think, yeah, they'll be looking to copy that kind of roadmap that they had against the Cowboys where they were trying to slow the ruck down as they did last week. That'll slow down the time of that left edge that the Rabbitohs has to uh, exploit defense uh, defenses as they have done all season long. I'm not sure who, which uh, center and winger combo will be defending that, but Sivitalikai and Jesse Ramian um, both were a bit shaky last week, so... Um, they've got to be much better and that's something for the uh, Sharks to exploit or sorry, the Rabbitohs to exploit I'm saying. To tail back to what I was saying about slowing the ruck down, I think that enables them to limit the meters the attacking team gains um, and that will negate uh, the Rabbitohs' ability to, to attack down that left edge. Yeah, it's it's going to be huge, that, that right side defense for the Sharks. I imagine they've done a lot of homework on it, like every team does against the Rabbitohs and they still come up short, so uh, that'll be very, very key. Uh, one thing I have noticed and liked about the Sharks, I already talked about Nico Hines, but um, I, I've i been really impressed by their middle forwards for the Sharks. I'm looking at Toby, Toby Rudolph. I'm looking at uh, Hamlin Uwele. I'm looking at Royce Hunt. These guys have a lot of impact. Uh, and then, of course, Andrew Fafita on the bench as well. I thought he was one of their best players for the very limited minutes he played last week. And then you have, you know, Cameron McInnes... Delphinukin, those clean-up guys, the guys that do not miss tackles, they do the little things right, they've got a really, really good middle, and then you've got, like, Britton Decora hitting holes, Wade Grant's an experienced player, Teague Wilton's coming along really nice in that left edge. I, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of um, a lot of talent there in that forward pack, so I think the Sharks would do well to really focus on that, because I think they can get the better of the Rabbitohs forward pack. Friendy... What can the Rabbitohs do to counter whatever the Sharks are going to throw at them? That's literally my first point, Bo. The, the Rabbitohs forwards, they need to um, both defend well and, and I think they just need to make a few more metres in attack and, and give that red-hot back line 
as many looks as it can get at the defense because they just don't miss like Cody Walker between Cody Walker and Latrell they if they can have enough shots at the Sharks line they'll score 20 30 points I heard Jason Demetrio on the radio the other night after the game saying if we can uh, limit other sides meters and limit their points so he said if we can limit most teams to 14 points he's like i can't say he's getting beat because that back line is just yeah airborne it is just outstanding and they don't miss so if their forwards can aim up and make some meters i can't see them losing interesting that might be a little bit of a hint on your tip uh chris is it is it as simple as just making those yards and and giving a bit of space to that left edge yeah, I think so. And again, even if you look at the um, the lineup for South, uh, for South, you can just see the skill difference between you know the front row and then the outside backs. With respect to Nichols, um, Totola, you know, they're, they're, again, they're serviceable, but they're not. You know, they're not amazing players, and they often, I would say, have to exceed their usual output or expectation to um, you know hold. And make that you know gain that yardage advantage and field position. So again, so that you know the incredible left edge they have um, has you know the field position to work with. And something I'm concerned. And again, their bench isn't massively uh, big either. You know, Nicarima Sale, Chikam, Havili. Um, yeah, I think that's really going to be key. Is the um, specifically Nichols and Totola. Because again, you can you can rely on Murray Cook. Arrow if he could play his middle, or if he has to. Yes, I think it's going to be down to Sass and his big boys. It is a, uh, a size mismatch, isn't it? Especially with Tom Burgess being suspended, like we mentioned, uh, and Sheikhan replacing him. Kieran, how are the Rabbitohs going to get it done? Uh, I've got field posi- playing the field position game is a, a huge thing. Whilst they're a side that aren't tr- afraid to try an attacking grade from anywhere on the field, I think they'll be kicking early as Latrell did last week against the Roosters. I think he may have kicked. Yeah, he kicked straight away. Um, they were saying. I remember they were yeah. called it or something. Yeah, they hadn't seen it for like twenty, thirty years, and um, I think that they'll be doing a lot of that again this week, turning around that that Sharks forward pack. That's mm, some would say better on paper. I think quite a few. So. Uh, trying to tire out that forward pack. Um, and, yeah, the Sharks already had a, a hefty battle last week at Shark Park, so fatigue. they might be going into this game with a bit of fatigue already. So uh, I think the Rabbitohs would do well to, to try and tire them out a bit more uh, early on. But yeah, I completely forgot about that that kick. He literally caught the ball, ran about five metres and kicked it from his own 20. Friendly. Mm. We haven't seen that since, like, you know, Gary Belcher, Gary Jack having a kickoff in the origin. <laughs> um what, do you reckon that was a deliberate, like, ploy or do you, like a brain snap? No, I reckon it was deliberate. Uh, they've seen something during the week to make them do that, surely, because it was pretty early in the game. Yeah. So generally game plan stuff, you, you sort of throw that out there in the first 10, 20 minutes. So I'm, I'm positive they've seen something about, I don't know, maybe Teddy leads a few kick chases or something and they knew no one would be back there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. But it was cool to see. I liked it. Yeah, a bit of something a bit different. Uh, while I've got you, uh, is, is, I mean, Latrell will be amongst the key players, but who specifically are you looking at for each team and, and who are you tipping? Yeah, I, I just like both forward packs. They're, I know that's a bit of a broad thing to say for key player specifically, but as we spoke about, I, I think whoever makes more metres this game um, will be very hard to beat. And, and I think if the Bunnies can, can get at least level or, or maybe just edge out the Sharks, then yeah, you know, I, I, I can't see them them missing um, many opportunities down that end. So, yeah, I'll be tipping South Sydney. Um, and I think just, yeah, if the forwards hold their own or, or go a little bit better, then, yeah, Cody and Luttrell get the rest done. Chris, same question to you. Uh, key players and who's going to win? Uh, key player for Cronulla, I'm going... Sifatalakai uh, in terms of holding his own defensively, I think he got. And the issue I have with Talakai at centre is it's not the fastest of his feet um, can get burnt a bit. And you know, um, Sassini's back lines are is quite deadly. Um, key player for South, I'm going to go. A similar reason, uh, Lachlan Ilias, I thought really did a great job defensively last week when he didn't do as great of a job as the last round performance against 
um, the same team in East. So I think him um, doubling up on that defensive performance, holding his role there will be key. With that, I'm going to tip the Cronulla Sharks to win. I think there's just the forward pack convinces me a bit more than uh, um, South Sydney. I also like the bench in terms of the size and um, different utilities in terms of, um, you know, you have the big boppers, you've got Cam McInnes, um, Wilton's a skillful player. But, yeah, I'm going to go Cronulla in a, in a tight one. Well, well, I've got you there, Chris. Uh, you're a big fan of Campbell Graham. Uh, do you think he has the the pace and the skill to worry a guy like Talakai? Uh, yeah, well, Campbell Graham's not the fastest bloke in the world, but um, I think he's he's probably better off against Graham against... Uh, sorry, Talakai's probably better against Graham than Tass. But, yeah, I think that might be a target zone that... Um, um, you know, assassin uh, look at, you know, Graham's no mug, um, despite his career games. So yeah, I think I think Talakai, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he's probably be getting a lot of pressure. It'll be interesting to see if he can um, hold his own. I wouldn't have said that uh, Peter Hiku was the fastest player in the world either, and he managed to burn Talakai, although he was on the end of the best pass of all time. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kieran Gibson, uh, who are your key players, and who's going to win? Uh, I've got a player who's you know, his passing game is pretty handy himself. I've got Blake Blake Braley. Um, he's craft at a dummy half that creates doubt in defensive lines. It's, it's a bit appy like I think. Um, kind of looks one way or, or takes a step one way and then darts the other way, uh, and it just attracts the defenders um, at marker. They don't know what he's going to do, and sometimes they go the wrong way, and so they're taken out of the equation straight away. Uh, and then he'll run for a few meters, attract a couple of defenders, and then Heinz and Co. who don't need much space as it is. Um, but then Braley's ability to create even more room for them, I think that'll be huge for the Sharks and their game plan. Uh, for the Rabbitohs, I guess outside of Latrell Mitt, I think um, Cody Walker uh, is going to be huge. I think Latrell Mitchell is going to have the bigger target on his head um, for who they, if they're going to target someone, it'll be Latrell Mitchell a bit more so than Cody Walker. So I think Cody Walker is probably the Rabbitohs' key player, chiming into that back line and those soft hands that he has um, in passing range. Um, the Sharks, whilst they played that 93-minute enth- enthralling minutes last week, uh, um, I think the Rabbitohs, they, they played pro- probably, I mean, possibly you could say 45, 50 minutes uh, in the end with the amount of stoppages in that game. Um, so, But, yeah, whilst I liked what I saw from the now fresher side in the Rabbitohs last week, I am tipping the Sharks to sneak home, home in this one with the Rabbitohs too much of a, a rocks and diamonds team for mine. Interesting. Uh, my, my key player is Cameron Murray. Uh, I think for, for three reasons. One, he's a, a leader at that club and, and they will need, psychologically, they'll need some good leadership to get back up for this game. And he's the kind of guy that I feel like won't switch off for games unless, of course, he gets HIA'd out of them. Um, in attack, uh, he is so, so key. Uh, he's, you know, because Adam Reynolds was underrated about how well he gave service to the likes of Walker and Mitchell, you know, the, the work that he did on the inside to create space for them with no Adam Reynolds, Cameron Murray has filled that void and he's improved that, that part of his game a lot. So, um, you know, if you want to target a guy like Talakai on the right, you need Koloma Tungi and you need Campbell Graham having some space. Cameron Murray's the man. Uh, if you, if you want to create space for Walker and Mitchell and Johnston, Cameron Murray's your man uh, in the middle. So he's so important. And, I think the Sharks' biggest strength, as I mentioned earlier, is probably their huge, impactful forward pack. I think a really good way to, to beat them is to have really good line speed. Again, Damian Cook, Cameron Murray, they're going to lead that for the, the Rabbitohs. So uh, I think Cameron Murray is the key player, but I still think the Sharks will win. I think the Rabbitohs played their grand final last week. So Sharks for me. Guys, that's it for, for the two finals. Thanks very much for your expertise. Let's talk very briefly about NRLW Round 5. Finals are just around the corner. It's a triple header at Central Coast Stadium at Gosford. $5 for an adult to get in, by the way, friendy, in case you need something to do on a Sunday afternoon. Three games of high-quality football. Uh, it's, it's that kicks off at 12.05 with the Broncos and the Eels. The Broncos have been very down on their, on their best, and the Eels... 
yeah, they haven't. They have not had much luck at all uh, this season. The the Parramatta Eels. So, Friendy, who do you like at this one? I'll tip the class of Brisbane to finally shine through a bit here and and have a good win over Parramatta. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I've got a similar logic. Um, again, it hasn't proved too successful so far this NRLW season, but um, yeah, just gone the the class and the squad. Um, Brisbane sure. Uh, sure, it's going to come good at some point. So, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Brisbane. And Kira? Uh, yeah, I'll stick with the, the Queensland team. I'll go the Broncos. I'll be going for the Broncos as well. Next game is the Titans and the Roosters. Now, ordinarily, you'd say this is a one-sided game, but the Titans uh, were impressive last week in their, in their slight victory, and the Roosters are resting a bunch of their key players because they've basically got the minor premiership sewed up. So it might not be as cut and dry as we may have thought. Chris, who are you tipping? Well, I'm sticking with my uh, early season prediction despite the, the rest in the second place, so I'll stick with the Roosters. Kieran? Uh, yeah, I think the Roosters have been that good. Um, the amount of points they've scored compared to every other team, I'm going to tip them despite the, the players resting. Freddie? Yeah, I'll have to stick with the, the Roosters girls, despite Uncle Nick paying for a nice holiday for them somewhere in the sunshine this week. Um, yeah, Roosters for me. Look, I mean, Sam Bremner is a huge out for the Roosters. She's, of course, resting, but uh, I still think the Roosters, they are so, so classy. So, yes. And the last game is a very interesting one. It's the Dragons and the Knights. The Dragons have a lot of class in their lineup, and they've been playing pretty good footy, and the Knights had their first loss against the Roosters, but they only lost by two points. A very impressive effort from them. And they have Tamika Upton returning. Uh, she wasn't playing last week against the Roosters and may have been the difference if she was. So the Knights, very impressive. Kieran, who do you like on that one? Uh, yeah, I thought the Knights were really gritty last week. I, I thought they, they'd done enough to win it, um, just outdone towards the end. Uh, I'm going to tip them for that reason. I think they're just playing tough at the moment. Friendy, go the Knights girls. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll stick with the girls for sure. I think they're playing really good footy. Um, they stuck with the defending premiers for the majority of the game last week. So, yeah, go the girls. And Chris? Yeah, some of the friend I've got on the Knights. Um, they really impressed me last week. Danny got just pipped on the bell by the Roosters. So, yeah, uh, go the Knights. Go the Knights as well. We are all in agreement all the way around the NRLW. But let's see if we are in agreement about our bold predictions. Our One of our favourite parts is... It's completely guessing what's going to happen on the week that is going to be. Chris, what is your bold prediction? All right, so I was a bit advantageous last week, despite we go on off early about it. So I would like clarification, or I guess, yeah, clarification from uh, the panel here to see if this is acceptable. So I'm going Cronulla to win, and then one of Hunt, Rudolph, Hamlin-Ueli, or Fafita to score a try. I'll pay it. Friendy, what do you think? Yeah, that's fair. The bunnies are going to win anyway. <laughs> Kieran, you happy to accept it? Yeah, I'll pay it. All right. So if, if that comes up, if the Sharks win with one of those middle props scoring a try, at least one of them, then yes, we'll pay that ball prediction, Chris. Good luck to you. Uh, Friendy, what's your ball prediction? I better fire up and get this right now, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> I've got um, all four NRL fullbacks to score this week. So Savage, Gutherson, and then Mitchell and Kennedy. Kennedy's the one that worries me, but I think the rest of them will score. Would you feel better if Lockie Miller played? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, good luck with that one. Kieran, what's your ball prediction? Uh, I've got a, a virtuoso, virtuoso performance from Latrell Mitchell. I think he'll kick a 40-20, have two tries, his score a try. But I think they'll lose in the end. <laughs> wow. <laughs> virtuoso and lose. That's interesting. Right. I'm, I'm going to go virtuoso and win. Like I mentioned, uh, Jack Whiten is my key player. So I'm going to go with a try, a try assist, and at least 100 run meters for Big Jack. Uh, and good luck to all of us with our bowl predictions because none of them conflict, I don't think. So that works out well. Guys, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we've gone a little bit long again, but we do like these long episodes with the analysis. Friendy, what are you, where are you watching your footy from this weekend? Mm, last week is probably probably my favourite week of the season, and I watched from home, glued to the TV, no beers consumed whatsoever. This week might be a little bit different, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, beers in the sheds, I'm guessing? 
Yeah, beers everywhere. <laughs> Kieran, uh, do you and the Big E have any footy plans for the weekend? Uh, yeah, so my Cowboys obviously are our Cowboys don't play this weekend, um, but we'll be camped on the couch on Friday night. Uh, uh, Brisbane Lions are playing as well, so we'll have the two TVs set up to watch both games and then I'm not too sure what I'll do Saturday night. I'll, I'll see when the time comes around. Are you doing like the split screen KO thing or like literally two TVs? Oh, no, we literally, yeah, we have the two TVs and we prop one up a bit higher so we can see both, yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, Chris, do you have a similar setup for your uh, for your highway footy watching? <laughs> I'm married, I can't, can't afford that by the highway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> what I'll be doing this weekend. Might go out for a drink, watch it, or stay at home, ponder life as it passes by, <laughs> as the cars do every day. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Outstanding. That was almost poetry, like Pablo Neruda. Um, I will, ended a show. <laughs> I will be, I will be like you, friendy. I'll be watching, maybe not in the sheds, maybe not with beers, but uh, certainly glued to my TV at home. I love watching it by myself. Uh, but uh, big shout out to everyone else out there, of course, that has listened in. I hope that you have a great weekend watching the NRL and the NRLW, of course, that triple header from Central Coast Stadium at Gosford. Thank you to everybody. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy some more Above the Horizontal next week. Until then... Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.